thank you so much for being here today. This is another episode of the XR Magazine podcast, and I am Diana Olenik, your host for today. So today we're going to be speaking with someone unbelievable. His name is Thomas Van Vowell, and he's a Belgian-Brazilian VR developer with a background in architecture and engineering. He first made the switch to VR in 2016 when he started working as a product engineer for a startup called Resolve. In 2020, Thomas launched his first commercial game called Cubism, which quickly got high reviews and became widely popular in the store. I'm super excited because this is one of the cases where we see an indie developer to have this type of success. And he is going to explain today how he did it and how you can do it too. Let's jump into it. Thank you so much for being here today. As I mentioned, we are speaking with Thomas Van Vogel. And Thomas, we are super excited. We'd like to know about you. Please let us know how did you get started in this amazing journey, particularly maybe if you want to tell us from the time that you were in high school or perhaps university and then how you transitioned to where you are right now. Of course. Um, well, first off, thank you so much for having me on. Um, so I got started in VR back in 2016, but uh, before that, I was actually an architect. Um, so I studied engineering and architecture. Uh, and I worked as an architect for about three and a half years. Um, but I was always fascinated with technology and how it could be used in design. Um, and particularly how it could be used to, um, make design more approachable to users. Um, so, you know, I, I was like video games and even during architecture school, I would sort of take my 3D models of my, my, you know, apartment designs, my building designs and put them in, in video game engines to be able to walk through them. Um, so I, I always thought this was very fascinating. Um, and then when the new wave of uh, VR came around with you know, the DK1 and the DK2, um, I sort of jumped on that wave because I was um, so interested in what, uh, what that technology could do to the design process. Um, so first it was just a hobby, uh, and I just um, started to learn Unity uh, um, sort of in my spare time. Um, and, you know, I bought like a DK2 and sort of got started doing like small walkthroughs of buildings and things like this. Um, but then in 2016, I actually quit my job as an architect and really wanted to learn like VR development proper. Um, so I basically quit my job and, and did every game jam and every hackathon that I could uh, as sort of a means to teach myself and to make small projects to put certain ideas out of like how, how VR could be used in architecture and the design process. Um, and so there was a few months where I was just uh, sort of teaching myself and, and working with other people through these like game jams and hackathons. Um, but through those little projects, um, there was sort of one project that helped me uh, get a job uh, in the XR industry. And that was sort of my first tech job and my first VR job. And it was for a startup called uh, Result. Um, they were a startup uh, uh, based in uh, in Brooklyn in the, in the US. Uh, and they were making software for architects, uh, basically sort of a collaborative review software so that the architects and engineers can sort of jump into their models and find issues uh, before the building is built. So to me, it was the sort of perfect marriage of my, my two interests, uh, you know, architecture and VR. Um, but sort of all throughout this, um, I was still doing game jams and sort of making games as a hobby. Like, uh, at first it was a very, um, 
utilitarian thing, like making games, because uh, you know, learning the skills of making VR games is the same skill set that you sort of apply to to make applications in VR for architects and engineers. Um, but I just I found that the, the game development community, the indie game development community, is such a great community. Like, there's so many interesting and and cool people in there, and, and you get to learn so much from working with uh, with people in there. So it, it's just fun to make games and keep doing that as a hobby. So I, I kept doing that throughout. Um, my work at uh, Resolve. Um, and there was this one little hobby project that I started called Cubism, which um, was this uh, like simple puzzle game, uh, very small in scope, like, uh, um, and it was specifically small in scope, so I could do it as like a hobby project in the weekends. Um, uh, and I first started this in 2017, um, and I sort of kept working on it and working on it until it sort of spiraled out of control <laughs> into a full game. Um, until I was able to release it in 2020 um, on the Quest and on Steam. And um, then that game sort of started doing a bit better than I expected. And I went full-time from my previous job onto like game development to be able to build for Cubism. And um, so I've been doing that for like a, a year and a half now, um, uh, sort of building updates for Cubism and also recently starting to work on, on a new project. Um, so that's <laughs> that's sort of a, the whole career in, in a nutshell. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Thank you so much for making such a great summary. We have now more like context and background of how this amazing journey has been. I am fascinated because now is where I want to go a little bit back in time Mm -hmm. and try to understand how an architect, you know, and engineering, you, you were in that field. How did you actually start? with unity and coding like did you code the app by mm-hmm. yourself how did you start this can be a very relatable question for anybody who is just starting out <laughs> so please let us know how was that more in detail of course no it can be very intimidating if you're just starting out right because you think like gosh there's so many new things that you need to learn to to build things but uh the fact is that like a lot of the tools have become really really accessible right um Around the time when I started was also around the time that Unity first became free, like fully free. Um, so, you know, you could get Unity for free. You can get like Blender for free. There was like a free version of SketchUp and other like 3D modeling software. A lot of these tools were just there. So um, getting started was sort of more a question of finding the right first small steps to take and like small projects to take um, with the tools that, that were there, right? Uh, and for me, like coming from architecture, um, making something that was usable or interesting enough was um, not too difficult, actually, because if you want to make a VR walkthrough of an architectural model, it's not too hard if you have Unity, right? You basically take Unity, you drop in your 3D model, um, and you put in, like, a, a character controller, and you just build this for VR, and you can sort of already walk through a building. Like, it might not run at a very good frame rate so if you if you drag and drop your actual architectural model, but still like taking those small steps were, were those steps were small enough that you could get to like a, a functional um, program or like walkthrough uh, quick enough that I felt encouraged enough to sort of learn more and more and more. So um, yeah, just the combination of the, the tools being very accessible and being able to sort of scope out very small projects and then sort of expanding those projects more and more as I was learning uh, that really helped, I think. Yeah, that's great. So did you code before? Like, did you have a background with coding mm-hmm. uh, to to jump into C-Sharp or how was that for you? A, a tiny bit. Um, so we only got a little bit of uh, um, 
sort of coding lessons like Java and, and things like this in university. Um, but I actually um, coded the websites and did some coding and processing for my uh, my master's thesis, uh, like my, my final project. Um, so I learned a little bit uh, with this. Um, and then the yeah, learning C Sharp and sort of coding for Unity, there was just a lot of tutorials, like really good tutorials available from Unity itself to get started. So having some of that coding backgrounds sort of helps lay a groundwork for learning C Sharp, right? Like once you learn to code in one language, there's some like um, logic and patterns that usually transfers to like learning a different language, right? So um, it wasn't completely like learning coding from scratch when I started with Unity, but uh Luckily, there were also just a lot of good tutorials to get started uh, yeah. and learn sort of more complex, uh, complex code. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much. And how did you undertake the design workflow? You know that typically mm-hmm. in creating apps, there is like normal workflows, etc. I wonder if from your perspective, you build the app on, on the way or you actually implement certain things that maybe you knew before or how was, you know, in mm-hmm. real life, how was that experience for you with Cubism? Oh, for sure. Um, so uh, a really important part for me for designing anything is, is to try and play this as much as possible. Um, I think uh, whenever you design something or implement some interaction or some some user interface or something, you assume you have to make assumptions on how people will uh, navigate through this or how people will use an interaction or how people will perceive or experience your app. Right. Um, and I know that I will always make like incorrect assumptions. Right. <laughs> um, so I think putting your app, whatever you're designing or your game in front of people and sort of observing people as they try to figure it out is a really, really important part of, of you know, designing anything in VR of designing anything like point blank. Right. Um, so that's something I, I do always try to do, uh, to just as soon as possible, play test if possible. Um, but even, even if you don't have something that you can build and play test, like just sharing it, I think is also helpful just, um, for, for my games and for Cubism, for example, like, uh, the very first prototype I made, I made over a weekend, right? It was just like a, a day and a half. Um, and it was already like a playable prototype, which is the, the, the base mechanics of like putting blocks into a shape. Um, and it was enough for me to test it with some, some colleagues and friends to see if it was like a, a sticky concept or not. Like, uh, and I remember testing it with, um, one of my former bosses and he was in the headset for about an hour <laughs> and he wouldn't take it off. Like <laughs> he was disembarrassed because he wanted to like solve the puzzle that was in front of him. Um, so that helped to like evaluate, okay, this is an interesting, this is probably an interesting like app to develop. Um, but similarly, I also took a few videos of, of this very first prototype and then posted it to, to Twitter and Reddit um, to sort of see, like, is there a reaction to this? Like, do people, are people interested in something like this? Um, and it wasn't necessarily like it went super viral or anything, but there was enough of a reaction that at least I could sort of engage that um, there would be an, a niche audience or like there were, there would be people that would be interested in, in something like a puzzle game like this. So I think um, both from a functionality standpoint, um, Doing playtesting is important. And then also from um, sort of a, a market testing standpoint, I think it's important to share online and, and see what a reaction or how, how communicatable uh, a concept is as well. So, Yeah, wow. That's amazing. Yeah, I think that the practical approach is um, even for someone who is studying out, who is trying to create the first prototype and every single thing that we try to learn can get as complicated as, right? unlimited mm-hmm. because there can be more guidelines and guidelines and guidelines and sometimes that 
very thing that it's supposed to help you to create something better. It might also defer the actual process of seeing mm. an initial output or feedback mm. that is necessary from the final user. So this is, uh, your, your example is so, so great. Like you did it just naturally. Let's bring this prototype, just the bare bones and put it in the hands of people to see what is the reaction, what they, what do they think and how do they, you know, interact. And that is actually like the basics, basics of design without even complicating it more. And speaking about simplicity, one thing that I really love about your app, I have to say that I'm super excited, is the minimalist style. I love that style. Like, I took a, a, um, a short program in interior design many years ago. And for me, from all the styles that exist, minimalism is the one that talks more to me. When I saw your app, I fell in love. I said, I hope one day I could speak with Thomas. And look how... Well, thank you so much. <laughs> I participated in a VR uh, in the school, uh, um, Game Jam. And with the group, we were trying to, actually, I proposed the idea of creating a tangram because, you know, tangram is interesting. I, yeah, I like the Japanese culture, as you can see, <laughs> and minimalism, <laughs> zen, and all of this. I love that. Mm. So I was deeply inspired by you. <laughs> and oh, I have you. to say, it. yeah, <laughs> sorry. But so then I want to speak a little bit about the art, you know, like why that style, which really ended up being the absolutely best because that simplicity turned out to be super effective for people to use easier and for you to launch it faster. Could you expand a little bit more about of course. that? Thank you. <laughs> well, actually, the, the so yes, it, it is also just an aesthetic that I enjoy, right? Like uh, Maybe that's part of like the architecture background, but I, yes. I like like simple lines and I like you know, like, like clear geometries and things like this. Um, but it, it was also definitely a practical consideration considering that you know, I wanted to have a game that was feasible as a one man project that was feasible as sort of a hobby project to do on the weekends. So the, the minimalism helped, but it was also actually kind of the starting point and the reason I started making Cubism. Um, okay. I was, um, really fascinated with minimal design in mobile games. Um, you know, there's, there's great games like, like Mini Metro or, or Trees or, um, like the Lara Croft Go series or, uh, Line, Line Lights, for example. Um, you know, there are all these mobile games that, um, are super simple in their presentation, but really work well with the mechanics and the affordances of the phone. Um, and are also just like scoped well for like small teams. Um, and I was sort of, this was back in, in 2017 when I made the first prototype and I was sort of surprised that sort of there's a lot of complexity you can put into a VR game and a VR prototype because you're super immersed. I was surprised there weren't that many minimal games uh, in VR. Um, and sort of the starting point of, of thinking about the concept of cubism was what could a minimal game in VR look like? And sort of um, where it it's, uh, makes use of the uh, the best affordances of, of VR and sort of uh, where it could only work in VR, but where you sort of strip away all the fat and all the extra uh, things. Um and so this sort of idea of the block puzzle, which, you know, it's, it's a type of puzzle that exists for, for many, many years, right? But it felt like it would be a good fit because, um, you sort of need the, the dexterity of your, your six degree of freedom hand con like controllers, 
Um, and you can really use the, the fact that you can, you know, inspect the puzzle from every angle and stuff. So it, it felt like it was a game mechanic that really fit VR well, but where you could also just strip away all the context and just have you in the puzzle, um, as this sort of a you know, minimal setup. Um, and so yeah, that, that was sort of the, the, the main idea. And then also with this first prototype I made over weekends, all these sort of core concepts of like the minimal design were already there. Like it was really just a, a gray environment with the puzzle there, um, and just these like little triangles as hands <laughs> and, and you were solving a puzzle and that was it. So, um, from, from the get go, the idea was to make a, a minimal game and figure out what a, a minimal uh, design could look like. Um, but there's also like a part of the consideration of, um, making a game that's easy to pick up and play. Like that's usually also a nice thing about these mobile games, right? It's that it's really easy to get into and then you can see it's, it's sort of, it makes it much more accessible for a broader audience that maybe typically wouldn't play games. Um, and that's definitely something I wanted to have for Cubism as well, like uh, to have a game that could really be picked up and played by anyone, even if they haven't played games before or if they, they aren't that familiar with VR. Um, and so this was something I didn't have in the first prototype, where uh, you know the first prototype maybe was using all the buttons on the controllers, but that was sort of a, a lot of the, the, the process of the work that I was doing in, in the years uh, developing it was sort of simplifying the control scheme and making it easy to learn and to really just be able to put the headset on someone and, you know, get them to solve a puzzle within the first uh, 15 seconds um, to make the game accessible and, and easy to use uh, so it could sort of reach a wider audience. So that's also a big part of uh, the idea behind the minimal interactions and the aesthetic. Yeah, that's so exciting to know how, you right? How did you come up with that? And especially I put a lot of attention which I found as an interesting detail, the way that you develop your UIs, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's different. It's not the expected flat. It's it's a cube and it goes so well because it's cubism. (laughs) I'm like, wow, this is so good. Okay, that without mentioning the music. So I wonder if you could explain a little bit of how you came up with all of that that is like so fluid and so beautiful. Oh, thank you. Um, so I, I guess to explain, but, um, the, the way that the music works in, in Cubism is that, um, uh, basically there's a sequence of 60 puzzles that you solve, uh, and that's broken up into 10 stages. And then every puzzle has a number of pieces. And so in the game, every piece is related to a piano notes. Uh, and so when you solve a puzzle, you hear a chord. And then when you solve a sequence of, uh, puzzles, it's a sequence of chords. And so the whole sequence of puzzles basically forms a song together. So, as you sort of progress and, and continue to solve puzzles, you can play this little play button that will play the song of the game, let's say, uh, up until the point that you solve the puzzles. Is this sort of extra incentive to, to sort of solve everything, um, but to also sort of tie everything together. Um, and yeah, so the, the idea to, and so also when you're solving the puzzle, um, and if it's taking a long time to, to find the solution, it's like classical piano music uh, comes in. Um, and it's like a, a lot of Robert Schumann uh, and some other composers, um, basically to sort of calm you down if it's getting a little bit stressful, uh, like solving the puzzles. But, uh, um, but yeah, like the, um, uh, the very first trailer I made for the game, um, was set to, uh, 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 Satin song. Um, uh, so, which was sort of, I had to have a trailer at one point, like within two weeks, uh, for, for this festival where the a trailer would be, uh, shown. Um, so I, I needed a song. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, using this sort of, uh, uh, public domain 
classical music uh, seemed like a good approach. <laughs> and so that that's sort of how I, I came to classical music and classical piano. But it felt like a really good fit for this sort of uh, game as well. And so from that point on, I sort of kept the, the classical piano team. And that's how the, the piano design of the puzzles also sort of got involved into the game. Um, and, and this idea of like, for, for a long time, the idea was actually to have the game be silent and the only sound is like when you solve the puzzle and you hear this piano chord or like the, the song of the, the puzzles. Um, and so that was also just, that also came from the idea of like, okay, let's keep this like minimal and manageable as like a one man team. Um, uh, which is, you know, I thought, okay, I can get away with maybe this like simple sound design and maybe that can be it. Um, but very close to release, like a few months before the actual release on, on Quest and Steam, I just realized the game was too silent. <laughs> um, so then I contracted a friend of mine, Salia Wong, who's a pianist, to then record uh, some of these other piano pieces. And that's, um, so that, that, uh, this classical music that plays in the background, it really was just an addition of the last three to four months before release. Uh, but I do think like it, it really helped set the mood for the game. Um, but yeah, that's, that's how it all got. So yeah, that's such a great idea. What type of tools actually you used to create the overall app? That that would be interesting to know. What's the oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so the game is built in in Unity um, and using uh, yeah various SDKs uh, uh, for the different platforms. Um, so currently, it's it's using uh, using the Oculus utilities to build for Quest, um, and it recently switched to OpenXR for Steam. Um, uh, and yeah, there's also an SDK for, for Pico, uh, the Pico Neo. Um, <clears throat> there's not too many like external tools, uh, and like, uh, assets that are used in the game. There's, uh, one game called, uh, one uh, asset called Audio Helm, which is, um, basically like a synthesizer, uh, or like a set of tools for audio, uh, in Unity, which have been really useful to sort of, uh, have this piano play dynamically in the game. Um, but other than that, a lot of the tools are just sort of custom built for the game. So, so, the, so did you build, for example, the UIs? Did you build them inside Unity, or how mm-hmm. did you build like the, the everything? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is Pro all builder or Unity. like normal. Uh, oh no, no, it's just um, well, <laughs> so a lot of the <laughs> a lot of the geometry is just like default cubes from Unity, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> or at yeah, least yeah. started started from this. Yeah. Um, so some of the geometry is like. Um, made in Blender or, or SketchUp and then processed through Blender. Um, but a lot of it is just like defaults <laughs> geometry from Unity actually, uh, or sort of composited from a lot of this sort of default geometry, right? Like uh, all the, the puzzle pieces are just a bunch of cubes uh, sort of spun together. Um, all the lines of the puzzles are also just like stretched out cubes and things like this. So um, there's a lot of like very simple basic geometry that sort of composes uh, the, the look of the game. Uh, and for the UI, like these these buttons, so the UI to explain is um, you have these 2D buttons, and when you hover over them, they sort of expand into 3D, into uh, sort of boxes. Um, and this is also just a lot of uh, base geometry, right? So for all the edges of these boxes are also just stretched up cubes. Uh, <laughs> so it's all it's all very basic if you break it down into the components. Wow, that is a very beautiful game. I encourage anybody to try it. To thank you. To to delve into it with the intention of this relaxation and enjoyment because I believe that is also the idea of the game like the person can relax through the experience is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's um 
you know, the idea was to have something that's fun and challenging and accessible for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But then it sort of, it turned out after it's, it launched that a lot of people found it very, very relaxing. Um, and there's actually been this uh, study, uh, around like the game and, and how, uh, how VR could be used for relaxation. Um, it's a study that hasn't been like the results haven't been publicized yet, but, um, they have used like Cubism as a case, uh, for this. Um, because yeah, a lot of people do seem to like jump in to sort of wind down. Um, and it's, that's definitely like great to hear from my point of view. Like I did hope that it would be something like a Sudoku or something, you know, <laughs> where, uh, or like a crossword puzzle or something where, uh, at the end of a long day, somebody can, uh, sort of, you know, pull up Cubism and, and do one or two puzzles and, and relax. Wow. That's amazing. And what is your, um, current endeavor or, um, what are you mm-hmm. have in the future for Cubism or what is uh, about you sure. that, that you're working on right now that is exciting that we should always, you know, take a look and enjoy <laughs> from your creations? Thank you. Um, so I, um, as I did with the start of Cubism, I try to be pretty public on like the things that I'm working on, um, and the things that might be coming next, um, which is like good and bad because like, that way, um, I can get early feedback, but also, you know, maybe I'm working on something that won't release. <laughs> so, um, you know, whatever I post online, you should take with a grain of salt. But, um, uh, yeah, I'm working on some new updates for Cubism. Um, there's some small updates, uh, uh, uh that are sort of built around the, the scene API that uh, recently, uh, launched and became available for Quest, which is this sort of tool set, um, that, uh, Meta is, uh, sort of developing where you can map out your room and map out different furniture in your room. Um, and so for Cubism, the idea is that you could sort of, instead of having a puzzle floating in there, have the puzzle sit on your tabletop. Um, uh, and you can yeah. sort of press on, on the table to, to interact with the buttons and things like this. Um, so that's still in development. Um, and there's also a, a puzzle editor, actually, that uh, I've been working on where people can make their own puzzles. Um, and that will be a, a bigger update for later in this year. Um I'm still sort of finalizing the actual scope of it. Uh, for now, it's just a, a local editor, so you can design puzzles. And then, you know, in the same way that you would sideload a mod onto a different game, a beat saber or something, you could sort of offload and sideload puzzles uh, into Cubism. Um, but yeah, I'm seeing if I can maybe expand this a little bit before release or not. Um, but so there will be uh, some form of a, a level editor for Cubism, so people can make their own puzzles. Um, but, uh, yeah, the thing that I'm really fascinated by now is, um, you know, the, the nice thing about Quest is that it's hardware that's sort of evolving a lot through software, um, right? Like it was first a really good VR headset, but then, uh, um, you know, they came out with hand tracking and then they came out with, um, pass through, which sort of lets you use the camera footage and basically use the Quest as an AR headset. And then now they're coming out with these, these scene tools where you can sort of map out your room and sort of actually use your entire room as, as sort of a play area. And I think this is really, really fascinating. And I think it sort of unlocks a lot of different types of new new types of games and experiences. Um, so I was, I really wanted to build something specifically for that. And so my next project that I've been working on uh, has been something along those lines. Um, and I've been posting about it pretty publicly on Twitter. Um, what I'm building is this sort of a, Kind of like a Mission Impossible game <laughs> where uh, basically you put two buttons on each end of your room and then you get these lasers that spawn <laughs> across your room and then you have to sort of, you know, wow. dodge your way through it like a spy. Um, and so it's, it's your actual room and you use your actual body. And so it's, it's really about like, 
uh, making the most of uh, an AR game that lets you explore the entire space. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and it's still very early stages. There's still some like fundamental design <laughs> decisions and, and questions that I need to sort of figure out so, for the gameplay. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's, it, from the playtests that I've done, it's, it's been pretty fun to watch people play and the, people seem to enjoy it. And especially people seem to enjoy watching other people play because people uh -huh. just, People get very immersed and sort of drop to the floor to crawl under yeah. their lasers and things like this. So, uh, really um, so it's, it's been fun to work in. And it's, it's definitely, it's a 180 degree turn for cubism, right? Like cubism is this seated, accessible, relaxing game and this laser game is a lot more intense and a lot more about like movement and stuff. But, uh, -huh. um, awesome. yeah. Wow. <laughs> but that it's sounds very exciting. Thank you so much for sharing that. Wow. Yeah. We're going to be following everything that you're doing because we are very excited and to support you. You're doing an amazing work. Thank you so much. Thomas, Thank it has so been a great conversation. Um, I think that we've learned a lot about your approach, how, how your, your design uh, is and how you develop your own, you know, creations, tools, etc. Thank you so much for sharing all of this. I wonder. Is there anything that you wish I had asked you today? <laughs> oh, uh, God, no, <laughs> you've been very, very kind with your questions. Um, and I'm just really grateful uh, for the opportunity to uh, talk about my experience and my projects. And uh, yeah, I'm very grateful that uh, you had me on. So um, uh, yeah, um, if anybody wants to follow um, the work that I'm doing, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Tovanbo. Um, and that's where I usually post sort of the latest work that I'm doing. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for, for having me on. Thank you so much. I am inviting to everybody to download the app Cubism and to follow Thomas. Um, we are really celebrating Thomas. He has been doing a lot of work and all in order to demonstrate his capabilities, his art and bringing a product that is very helpful for anybody and that is easy to use. It's so beautiful to experience. Thank you so much, Thomas. It has been a pleasure. We really wish to know more about you. So please tag us, Diana Olenik, um, in, whenever you are launching something or giving any updates so we can follow up on your stuff. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you so much and see you in the next episode. Bye for now.